0: yeah, I'd, I'd rather not get insurance. I, I'd rather be self-insured. I'd rather put this money aside and, and actually save for this. Or my, it's my kids' responsibility. Or it's my spouse's responsibility. I did all this all these years. When in reality, they're just trying to be very glib. They're just trying to, to do anything they can to avoid talking about it and thinking about it because they know the responsibility ultimately should fall on them. So they're just trying to find a way to derelict this duty. Well, thanks for joining us this week on the weekly QA. I am joined by Joanne Rosales. Hi,
1: everyone. Our
0: head of contracting or contracting director. Um, I'm Albert Lab, filling in for John background, who's out of town today, you know, but I just want to get wanna get this thing started by just going over a couple of announcements before we actually get to the questions. Um any any announcements on the contracting side?
1: Um, on the contracting side, the only announcement I wanna say um, is we do have Mutual of Omaha available in NLC now. So we have a couple of carriers there. You guys can submit AmeriCo, American Amicable, and also Mutual of Omaha. The remainder of the carriers um, will either be available for you guys in SureLC when you guys begin contracting, or um, you guys can go ahead and request the, the carriers you guys need through HCMS.
0: And just to refresh the memory for all the people that that maybe haven't seen previous previous questions, or you know, what's the difference? Why? What's NLC and what's SureLc? What are they?
1: Yeah, so um, SureLc is basically a third party um, platform that we use to be able to gather all of the agents' information, and then that information gets sent over to Home Office, and Home Office goes ahead and sends that information over to the carrier. Um, so now next level contracting, NLC is going to be, or it is um, FFL's internal SureLC platform, I want to say. Um, this is something that the um, internally we go ahead and we receive all of your information. And then FFL directly goes ahead and submits that over to the carrier. So now we are um, cutting out SureLC, the third party, from being able to gather this information and send it out for you guys. Now we're able to send it out ourselves. Okay.
0: So, you know, for, for both of those different platforms with NLC and SureLC, I mean, a lot of times agents are thinking like, why do I need to get my voided check? And why do I need to like get all this yeah. stuff filled out? It's actually to your guys' benefit. You guys may not even recognize it because everyone comes in, they want to start making money. They want to start putting themselves in a position to start, you know,
1: yeah, start their business,
0: a- right? So this actually, this this process actually helps you as an agent when you guys are first starting off, rather than individually doing every single contract for every carrier that you're about to contract with, what you're essentially doing is you're putting all your information into insurance mm-hmm. bay. And then now we have NLC, which is our own proprietary uh, contracting uh, site. site, you know, that's going to, so when you, when you upload your information onto these, you're going to fill in your basic information, you're going to upload your voided check, driver's license, voided check, um,
1: your ENO, driver's
0: license. I mean, your, uh, your insurance license, all, all that good stuff. Right. And then the thing is what's going to happen is go- they're going to take, gather all this data and then, Basically, create a rubber stamp with it, and then stamp it for every carrier that that participates in that particular platform. So it's helping. It's helping you in the long run. So I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of of a pain in the butt. It seems like when for most agents when they start off and they're like, "Why do we, why do we have to go through this?" Yeah, it's actually you don't want to go through the other route, the alternative, and actually have to fill it all one by one. So just so you guys can kind of create that framework of how how this all fits into what you guys are doing, which really isn't that important and. And on the back end, because once once your contractor, you contract, and you're good to go.
1: Yeah, once you guys create your um, sure LC profiles and your next level contracting profiles, you guys are not going to have to um, touch that again. All your information should be uploaded when you guys start to create it. So um, it should just work pretty seamlessly in terms of, Getting new contracts with carriers,
0: right? But actually, having the, having done that too, it's like when you need to apply for new carriers, when you have new requests that come out, or let's say FL signs signs up with another partners with another carrier, we have a new contract. Then you can just they can basically just go in and they'll apply that information in there. You just do your final signatures and you can upload that and send that out. So it'll save you a lot of time in the long run. So just just if you set it up properly up front, then you don't have to worry about going back and doing things over and over again. So. It's all a little bit of a process, but, you know, anything, anything that's new, you got to learn how to do it. And it is what it is. So instead of complaining about it, just try to figure it and try to understand it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, another announcement I wanted to make was um, with carriers, typ- typically um, across the industry, you don't get paid until the client makes a payment. Right. So that's called on on a settle.
1: Okay.
0: So. There, that's actually a, a change. So some carriers have already been doing it, but you know, for the most part, most carriers they want to secure a first payment because that's actually when the when the contracts actually force anyway. Because the thing is, you know, there's two parties. If just because you apply for a policy, they could approve you, but it's not actually active until they actually receive a payment from the client for the first initial premium. So that's going to be one of the changes coming up very soon. I don't know exactly the specific date, but you should you should anticipate it coming up. Anytime soon, it could be as quick as tomorrow. But every carrier is changing it to they're going to be paying on settle, no longer paid on approval. Previously, for a couple of carriers, they were paying on approval, which means you can you can do the application for the client, they get approved there on spot, and then you get paid within a day or two. Now the thing is they're going to if you do a post-dated policy, which means they they're going to draft in a month or so, which generally I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain uh, why it's generally not a good business practice anyway but they, they're not going to uh, pay out the advance until they receive the first payment. So that's something that you guys should all be aware of, something you guys should be conscious of because it's, number one, it's gonna help you protect you guys as agents to, to lower, minimize the amount of chargebacks. Cause you can sign somebody up, you're like, hey, I'm all in, but let's get it. I don't have the money until next month. And then you can draft me on the 15th of next month, right? And then the thing is, you know, they, they got approved for it otherwise, you know, you got paid your commission, but a month comes by and they're like, oh, you know what? Hey, you know, I spent all my money the previous month. You know, I didn't have money at the time we signed up for the application. I don't have that 100 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever it may be. I don't have that money. You know, their, their, their spending habits typically don't change that drastically from one month to the next, right? Yeah. So the following month, they could be, they could find themselves in that same pickle. They may not be able to afford that initial premium and then boom, you get a charge back. So, this is to everyone's benefit to, to be able to do it this way because re- in reality, you're you're no one's really earning their full commission anyway because we get advanced 75% up front, right? So you get their annual premium times by your commission rate times by 75% advance. 75% is essentially you're getting paid nine months worth of business that you didn't do yet because all you collected was one month, right? And then obviously the remaining, the remaining 25% gets paid out in months 10, 11, and 12 as the clients continue to maintain their policies. That's what's called trailing commissions or residuals. And then for final expense and, and permanent policies, you get paid 5% each year after that. So that's how that's how that's going to work. Now, but as far as going back to how do you prevent this from happening? The thing is, I think I think we've ran into a lot of a lot of situations. We talked to some agents that, that, you know, maybe their chargeback levels are a little bit higher than what they should be. And typically when you talk to them, just You'd be like, "Hey, so why are you posting so many, so many of these these cases?" Or you know, statistically show, I think like seventy percent of chargebacks come from policy that never got a chance to draft in the first place.
1: right? Yeah.
0: So I think sometimes it could be because an agent just used a poor judgment initially. Maybe they thought too much about how much I, how much money do I need to make right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push this sale through, whether this client can actually afford it or not. And if they can't afford it, then you know it really does no one any good because the carrier doesn't have another policy on its book on his books the client is not covered and then you got paid for something that you didn't really earn yeah which means it will result in a chargeback now it kind of puts everything in kind of kind of a into into flux so you know the 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 way that you want to avoid this situation as much as you can is in talking to a lot of agents, when I, when I ask them their process, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I tell them up front, we're like, hey, we don't know if you qualify. We're, go- we're, we're just going to try to put this through. And then you never really talk about the specific date and when it's what's supposed to be drafted. You don't make it very clear that it's going to be occurring on this date for the initial draft on the same day. It's going to reoccur on the same day every single month, and they're going to continue to get drafted on that amount. So I think we can all do a better job of being more clear about making sure that they understand when they're supposed to be drafted for the initial draft. And that the, when they're going to continue, get the recurring draft going forward. Now, one way that one way that um, has always worked is for a lot of agents, a lot of agents, especially newer agents. You know, you you could you could run you could run some more chargebacks than needed if you if you make it too open ended for them, you make it too available for them to push out their draft dates. You know, so we do our live dials, and uh, if you guys are not on, it's it's a great resource to have. You know, you can listen to other people dial, and more importantly. If you unmute yourself on these live dials, other people can hear what you're saying. Then they can kind of give you some feedback. If you're muted the entire time, you don't have your camera on, no one knows what you're saying, and you may not be getting the results that you want. But no one knows how to help you because no one knows what you're doing. So if, we're, if we go back to the to the to the part about how do we better prepare clients for for the initial draft, this has always worked for me. Okay, so I'll run through I'll run through the uh, the script, you know, get every, get everything going, present a couple options for them. And then at the end, I'll, I'll be like, which plan works best for you? And then they'll tell me, and then I'll be like, okay, so first of all, we can't make a decision today, but the carrier is the one that makes the decision. So let's put through the application, and I'm going to go through the application step-by-step. When it gets to the bank draft information part of it, you know, obviously we we gather their, their bank info- information, we input that data. And then I'll say, okay, uh, this is this is what I personally say. So I'll say, all right, so the first the first draft is going to come out within the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. After that, if today, what day is today? 19th the 19th, 20th. It's President's Day, which is, I don't understand how that's a holiday, but <laughs> it's the 20th. So if, if I'll say, okay, so the first draft is going to come out within the next 24 to 48 hours. Then each month after that, it's going to come out on the 20th of each month after that. Are you good with that? So I never presented the option because sometimes on live dials, you hear, you hear people say like, yeah, you can, you can push this out as far as you want. We can, we can, we don't have to draft right now. Like we don't take any money. You can draft it a month later from now. And, uh, you know, you also have a 30 day free look period. You can cancel it if you want. Like you're, you're begging the client to cancel now at this point. At this point, like why, why are you even like offering it to the client?
1: Or you're giving them an excuse to like not (laughs) get. Not get it now or not get covered. Oh. right.
0: And and you're it and what you're really doing is you're kind of undercutting the the actual value and importance of of having this uh having this coverage in the first place. Cause the thing is you should let them know why this is so important to them, what the urgency is for them to have it at the moment. And then after that, once you've established that, then you know, act upon it. You know, just make sure that they understand, look, you're getting this in place so we can get this get this policy in place so you don't have to worry about uh not having this in, in place anymore. And once you've covered, you're covered, you're covered. So that that's one way. So the thing is eliminate that option for the client. Cause if you say, like, when would you like this to draft? If they have the option, they're gonna be like, mm, I don't know, like 30 days from now. Right. And then some for some of them, they don't manage their money to 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 that close of a degree where they know this is exactly what I'm gonna have. So they might over they might not be able to draft and they might come back with a returned item and then you gotta go back and try to fix it. It's more work for you later anyway. So the better that you can prepare, it, the better that you can set the table for the client. The, the clearer the expectations that you set up front, the easier it is, and then the less chargebacks that you're going to get. And plus, especially with this new change, as far as changes from pay on uh, pay advances on approval versus pay on settle. On settle means this is when they draft the, for the company drafts the money. If you want to do that, I mean, this this will greatly help eliminate a lot of post dates because you're just not giving people the option. So obviously now, obviously you got, you got to be adaptive. So if I, if I offer that to the client say like, Hey, the first draft's going to come up next 24 to 48 hours after that's going to come on the 20th of every month. Are you good with that? I just say that because I don't want to say like, Hey, when would you like it to draft? Because if people don't have to pay right now, no one wants to pay right now. Yeah. Right? No one wants, no one will take that, take that option. So then for them, there's just, there's going to be like, if they, if they can do it, those will be like, okay. And if they can't do it, they will let me know at that point they will be like, "Oh, you're gonna draft the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours." Um, yeah, I won't have money until this day, and then we can pivot and move from there. But look, I'm not I'm not offering additional options for, for clients to have uh, potentially be confused about to like to, to mess up their own budget about.
1: Yeah. yeah. So,
0: so keep that in mind when, when when you're going forward with all of your your new business, because look, there's a lot of people to protect out there. There's a lot of families that we we can help. So, you know, let's do our job and actually help them. And actually help them by not just like signing them up for, up for a policy, by, but by figuring out a solution that allows them to be able to get covered, you know, get, get approved, get covered, and continue to maintain this. So it's clear that we can communicate that part. And this is this is also the thing about, you know, sales. I think a lot of times people try to avoid talking about the hard stuff because I actually just had a hard conversation this morning, right? Yeah. Um, and, I've, I've never shied away from a hard conversation. I always try to think things through a little bit and try to think, is there, is there, how does this affect this other person? But, you know, when it comes to something like insurance, they're going to die. They, they need this coverage. They need, they need this protection for their family. So the thing is, we can't dance around it. And then when they say, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be 300 bucks a month. I just say, yep, it's only 300 bucks a month. It's a very matter of fact, that because, or whatever, whatever their premium is, because, the more that we sensationalize it or make it a bigger deal, like it's going to be a bigger deal to them. So, you know, we just got to state a matter of factly. Like, yep, this is what it is, and they're like, we have to pay this every month. Yep. There's there's no other way around it. So, just just be straightforward with your client. I mean, be professional about it, and if you can do that, it'll just be clear for them. They know what to expect every single month. They know what, when to expect that first draft, and then keep it as simple as possible. And like, let's. Let's not let's not let's not play games with it and put yourself in a in a tougher financial position than you need to be by racking up some unnecessary chargebacks that you could have avoided. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any uh any questions out there for uh, any other questions that we
2: have out there that we can address with you guys or clear up? Nicholas, you got any questions for us? Yeah, I do. Perfect. Um, so at my last stop, I'll they're talking about when you were uh, to make an appointment, let's say, um, oh, well, within the day, the um, dilation range on, at the end of the month, say, you're talking about like, you know, at the 30th or, you know, 29th, uh, you know, 30th, not every month having the, the, that day in correspondence. So, you want to autocorrect correct by moving over that um, monthly average after the three days. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So, so that, that's that's a good question. So, I mean, yeah, because of February, pesky February, it only goes up, they yeah. only have 28 days. So, the thing is, we can't set up the initial draft or we can't set up a recurring draft on the, on the 30th, and 31st, right? or the 29th, 30th, and 31st. So, if it falls on one of those three, you have to push it forward to the first. Right. Sure. Okay. So cause because the thing is they can't set it up to, to draft because in February they would just skip it. So they have an automatic, you know, draft set up with every carrier. Twenty the 29th to 30th and 31st is not allowed. So I don't know. That that only really applies if you're if you're doing it at the end of the month. Or if the client says, like, hey, I want to push out my my initial draft date. I want to draft, I have money on the 30th, let's say. Can mm-hmm. you draft on 30th? You, you would polite you would politely and, and informatively let them know. I'm sorry, that's actually not an option because of February. And then you, but we can set it up on the first or we set it up on whatever alternative day if that's all that you got.
2: right, makes sense.
0: Well, once again, I mean, going back to the, going back to my previous point, if you, if you just don't offer it to them and if, if today happens to be the the, the 29th, 30th, 31st, I'd be like, all right, so the first one's going to come out next 20, 20, uh, with 24 to 48 hours after
2: that, we can, it's going to come on the first of every month. Good with you? That's uh that's how you'd handle that situation. Any other questions? Fire away. Okay. Uh, well, I do have. Yeah, Actually, you no, go go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I've already went, so you could go ahead. It's your turn.
0: <laughs> so remember that question. We'll we'll get we'll we'll circle back around.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a staff member, so
2: maybe I'm just kind of a filler, but, um, I was going to ask what, what is a moment in your life and, you know, Joanne and Albert that, you know, made you guys believe in life insurance more?
0: I'll let you, I'll let you start.
1: That made me believe in life insurance more. Um, I think, well, for me, I started to believe in life insurance as soon as I got exposed to it, while I started working with you. Um, But honestly, I've always seen a a value in life insurance since I was exposed to it. Um, But I think like for me, um, being out there on the field and like running into families or running into people that were just so desperate to find coverage, um, people that are already like have medical issues or have been diagnosed with like a medical condition where, they're just like scattering to see what options are out there for them. Um, so being able to be exposed to like seeing so so many different cases. I mean, we ran into this person with Albert out on the field when I barely started. I remember she was like young and she had like cancer or something like that. And we were trying to get her coverage before to see what she would qualify for at that point, you know? So, um, and then at the time we were working for a company that basically didn't even, couldn't even cover her anyway, cause it was just, wasn't gonna cover her, but Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, seeing the real, um, need in people, you know, whether it be, um, they're sick, whether it be, they just want to be able to provide their family with a solution when they're not there. Um, we also run into a, a lot of just different situations, but for me, I just think in general, I believe in life insurance because I know that it's a product that everybody needs. Death is coming for everyone. Nobody's gonna escape it. Um, we all have a our date that we're gonna pass away and we're gonna leave our loved ones with, you know, it can either be you're gonna leave them with the hardship with the financial hardship of, you know, you're just dealing with your um, final expenses. And not only that, but then also dealing with like the financial hardships if you have a family or all of that stuff. So ultimately, um, for me, I believe in life insurance because you know, it is something that everybody is going to need. It doesn't even matter what um, stage you're at, whether you're somebody that is extremely wealthy or, or not, you know, life insurance is always a good option, whether it be for your future or your, um, you know, even if it is to like leave a bigger legacy for your child or for your family, it's always a great option for people. So that's why I believe in life insurance. And I believe that, um, all of our agents are doing a difference, whether you guys are barely starting off or you guys aren't. But as soon as you guys start to dial the phone, you guys are going to run into people and you guys are going to be able to identify that there is a true need for, for the product out there. And ultimately, um, just like we were saying, you know, like you guys, we do run into people that, you know, give us a hard time in just trying to get them covered. But at the end of the day, there is a lot of people out there that do need the coverage. There's people out there that. Are asking for for you guys to show up for them. You know they are asking for the guidance and the education to be able to provide a better future for their families. So, um, yeah, that's kind of why why I believe in life insurance, and I feel like um, you know, in in even doing like the contracting or the recruiting of it, like I like doing that stuff. I like being an asset to our agents and helping you guys. You know, be able to prepare your portfolios to better assist all the families that are out there to to protect them so
0: yeah same she she's actually she's no, not <laughs> like It's like those students i used to be like oh that was my answer yeah, i was I'm
2: gonna sure. say the exact same
0: thing no but that that's that's a that's a very good point but I, i've been in this business going on 16 years now at this point so and so the thing is i've seen i've seen a lot in this industry so when i first started um i think everyone generally recognizes it's an important thing because people are going to die and if you can leave money behind to put your family in a better off position or at least not put them in a negative position it's a good thing you know so intellectually we all understand these things and when i when i got into it i didn't want to get into sales i didn't want to get into life insurance but you know i just saw an opportunity started doing it and i'm you know i generally understood why generally it made sense but it actually didn't hit me until my first client died on me which was 4 months into the into the uh, business so like, you know, went out to go see a client. It was actually, we went, went to go see his wife actually. And then, you know, they, you know, she, she's, she didn't, she, she already had some coverage and, you know, she didn't really need that much, but then her husband actually didn't have any coverage. So then, you know, I was still kind of a trainee. So I, I had my manager out with me and we were physically out there, you know, seeing clients. And then my, you know, my manager actually falls asleep in the middle of my presentation. So, you know, he just starts yawning and he's like, I'm tired. And I'm like, I, so I remember this this uh, this presentation very very distinctly, and then so then I'm going through the presentation and then and then like I, I hit a dead end with the lady because she was like, oh I already had the coverage and blah blah blah, and my my manager wakes up just in the nick of time, and then he's like, he's like, all right, well since you're already covered, what do you have? And then she he starts on the husband, and then the husband says like, oh you know I, don't, I I I don't really need that much, and he's like, but you don't have your funerals taken funeral arrangements taken care of. He's like no, so then we, we offered him a plan. He he took it, made sense for him, and and then I was like wow, you know, for me at the time as a new agent, I was like wow, you, I didn't realize you can just pivot and and help whoever else is in that room. So it it it, it added new perspective for me, but also after uh, we signed him up, and I'm like I'm excited, you know, my manager was like yeah, that was, that's your sale, and blah, blah blah. I'm like cool, I'm getting paid on this too, yeah. and then and then uh, four months later you know we we got a notice from home office and then it was like a death claim and I'm like who is this and I was like wait it's like so it was like a senior guy but you know I was like 4 months later he passed away from heart attack so I called I had called the wife and I'm like hey what happened you know, you know she was like hey, he died in the sleep last night had heart attack and passed away and then like and then my my manager he was he's, he's like oh man so it's only, it's only been 4 months he's like you're getting a charge back <laughs> so i mean it was burned into my brain because like it was just a kind of an odd situation with all these different things going on. Yeah. But you know, like I felt, I felt good because it really did help that help, help the uh, the original client. We went to go try to sign up for insurance. We couldn't help her directly, but we were able to help her husband, which in turn, in, in turn actually helped her out. Yeah. So then, you know, you, you realize like whatever you're doing, it's not a very linear thing. It's not, not specifically supposed to be like, Hey, I'm going from here to here and here to here. And that's what it's supposed to be. Your job is to go out there and help as many people as you can. Your job is just do your job. Our job is to help out the clients that requested for the information. If they filled out a lead, they filled out some information for it. Our job is to go out there and 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 we got to push a little bit harder. We got to stand up for them a little bit more when they initially think they don't need it because the majority of people will tell you they don't need it because it's just they haven't budgeted in their own head or they don't recognize the gravity of that situation because they can't see that far ahead yet. Where We're dealing with this day to day. So, you know, that that situation specifically has really helped crystallize in my head why this is so important. And, you know, every everything that we're doing, it makes a difference at some point, because the thing is, even if I got to know in that situation, it helped me learn, and helped me understand a little bit more, which will help further my career and help me further my ability to be able to help other people in that same situation, so. I don't. I don't take anything for granted anymore, especially the older that I get. You know, I recognize you know, the situation. Also, going back on Joanne's note, we we had a lot of fun. When we were in the field because we, you know, we we went to go visit a lot of families, and some of them are not doing that well socioeconomically, right? We went to some pretty rundown homes, and <laughs> so if if you if you guys are in this business and you guys are watching this, and if you guys ever get to a point where you want to complain. And you uh, you think this is this is tough or you think your life is tough or you think whatever' is tough, I mean, instead of because we live in we live in an age now where we can do everything virtually and, and through telesales. However, if you ever feel like complaining and you ever feel like things are difficult, what I would personally recommend to you is go out there and start door knocking and set some appointments to go face to face in person, skip get, get some local leads, go in person. The, the thing is by virtue of you doing that, the thing is you'll realize your life isn't that bad. There's a lot of people out there struggling far more than you are. There's a lot of people that need help a lot more than you do, and no matter what our situation is, we're still in a position to be able to determine our own worth. We can we can go out there and continue to work. And yeah, there's meet ups and downs. You're not you're not always going to know what you're, you're what you're doing. You're not always going to complete a successful transaction on every single interaction. But the thing is, if you just continue to put in that work, you're going to get get some results. When you get those results. You'll realize how how truly grateful we all should be that we have this opportunity. You know, so that's that's my recommendation. If you guys are struggling, if you guys don't don't feel like you have anything to be grateful for, go out and see some people in person. <laughs> you will be very grateful. And then if you can help them, well, maybe you feel great about yourself, right? Didn't it feel great every time we were able to yeah. help people out? It did. Yeah. yeah. Money aside, I mean, money's great. I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> but then, as far as far as just the, the intrinsic value that you that you you gain by just helping somebody out. Like I made a difference in that person's life. It's nothing like crazy attractive or sexy, or it's not like, hey, I, I saved this guy from burning building. But their family will thank me.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Just got to keep that perspective. So, long-winded answer aside, hope that that answer that covers that. Nicholas, what, what was your question?
2: Oh well, I was just gonna add on to what you're saying right there. Please. So I think a good example of that would be something that might not have a, t- a tangible value right now. But for example, back in 2020, I worked as a census taker going door to door. And a lot of people are, you know, very, rever- uh, you know, uh, reserved about doing, you know, all that, getting the data from them and such. And they don't, you know, there's not an intangible value right that moment that they you know, can contain from getting their, you know, accurate information in the census. But it's just like, well, look at the long term, you know, your community if is going to have better input from the state and federal government if they have accurate accounting of, you know, the population sprawl and like, what's the, you know, current makeup of your community? Um, yeah, so I would definitely say that that is a good example of what you're talking about no, i I think
0: the census thing is a really interesting thing
1: yeah. because because they definitely don't get anything in return, right? Yeah. It's just literally you you're giving out your information it like, I don't know, coming from a person that you know, you just fill out the census information, you send it out, but you don't really see the benefits yeah. of it. So how and how would you how would you, um, did you actually have to get them to like fill out the form or
2: fill out the form? yeah, and it wasn't like something I feel like with this it gives you more of a runway to personalize the experience with them than census taking, you know. Um, yeah, that's,
0: a, that's such like a far-fetched esoteric thing for a lot of people to like understand because for them, like they're just thinking, I don't trust this person or I don't trust the government or I don't trust what they're going to do with my statistics, right? right? So, but, but you know, that's that's a really interesting thing when it comes to the census because your existence literally doesn't even count for this earth if you yeah, don't if, if you, you decide not to fill it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you can't go get over that portion. So <laughs> and like and this is this is the thing about life. You know, everyone wants significance. Everyone wants to be significant in some way or another. Not always in a grandiose, you yeah, know, kind, kind of like bravado kind of way, but just more like you want to be seen, felt,
2: heard, all that stuff, right? So everyone wants to leave their mark.
0: Everyone wants just, to leave their uh, mark. But then sometimes because of misunderstanding, or because of not understanding, not trusting—you know—the thing is, people, their existence doesn't get a chance to actually count. Yeah. And I think that's a good analogy in terms of, you know, when it comes to insurance, like people don't want to think about what happens to them because they think so small about themselves; they don't think they make an impact whether they're alive or whether they're dead. And yeah, and you make a difference to your to the people around you, the people that you're close to you can you can either put them in a in a better position or you can put them in a worse position and that's that's our job to communicate that to them our job to help them understand that
2: yeah. that's good point yeah, and going back to my question now yeah. um so yeah i know this might not happen very often but i know that with certain families they you know large extended families they have this idea it's like well because I was thinking about this when I saw the group me uh, image that um, what's his name posted about the reasons, you know, not to have health care. It's like my children will support me. Well, that's actually a reason that's more common than you think for large extent families. Uh, certain matriarchs or ma- patriarchs of the family would be like, well, you know, we pull together these resources and I am going to have I'm going to support them. and They're going to support me when my time comes. And I know with my family on my dad's side that they pulled resources for certain things, you know, big trips or this idea of insurance, you know, this, you know, funneling idea. And I feel like with that, in that instance, what you'd have to do is be like, you know, well, it's great that you guys have a solid plan like that in place, but let's consider all these factors going to that. You know, what if, you know, it, shells off over time or the family fractures, you know, and you have all these uh, disputes and, you know, it doesn't become a, uh, you know, an even kill kind of operation where everyone's paying into it and there is actual, you know, social apparatus support. So in that case, you know, hey, you want this as an actual guaranteed permanent safety net for when that plan falls apart. Was it, was it,
0: did you have a question tied into that or was that more of just a statement?
2: Well, I was just asking, I guess that was kind of like their bond kind of question. How would you, like, starting out, let's say in the scenario, how would you go about addressing that kind of thing? I mean, especially, let's say it's a well established family and let's say it's, you know, a veteran, you know. Well,
0: yeah, I think that's a very common misnomer in the insurance industry. I think I think for a lot of for a lot of clients in particular, they just think like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not get insurance. I I'd rather be self insured. I'd rather put this money aside and and actually save for this. Or my it's my kids' responsibility or it's my spouse's responsibility. I did all this all these years. When in reality, they're just trying to be very glib. They're just trying to to do anything they can to avoid talking about it and thinking about it because they know the responsibility ultimately should fall on them so they're just trying to find a way to derelict this duty right but i i think i think uh, that's the that's the huge misnomer because a lot of times people think like oh well i'm just going to get rich and i don't i don't need to to get life insurance to, but the reality is most rich people and people that are actually financially savvy <laughs> they get insurance because why would they not so, get insurance. Yeah, like <laughs> They want to be able to transfer this wealth to their family. They want to be able to pay off their estate taxes. They want to be able to, to leave extra money behind in case they they, they 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 kick the bucket early. Like There's so many different reasons why pe- people do it. But the, the reason why these people at these certain socioeconomic levels continue to stay at that level is because they're taking on bad advice. They're taking on bad advice from people in the same situation as them that are just the smart guy, the guy that knows everything. When in reality, it's like you should look at the person whose financial position you would like to be in and follow what that person's doing. But those people, they generally don't associate with those people. They just stick within their own socioeconomic circle. So then they continue to get bad advice. And then they just they start to like create this echo chamber and they continue to, to reinforce the bad ideas that they initially had. So this is our job as insurance agents and, and to go out there to actually inform our agents and let them know, hey, there's plenty of other solutions out there for you. Just because some so-and-so says it, doesn't mean that it's actually correct. Ask yourself, do you wanna be in that person's position? Financially, so that that that'd be the first thing. I'll just let them know, like, where are you getting this information from.
2: Yeah, well, I know that that's a huge part of the problem with uh, you know, um, well, you know, with the VA and veterans in particular, they have a very um, entrenched kind of view of what their own, you know, what the government's going to pay out, and then you show them on the sites like, well, this is actually what you're you know owed. And if in the case, like, you know, they're, you know, I don't know, like, uh, you know, Sergeant Dan about it, like, oh, that's what my friends tell me, you know, this right. government's, you know, you know, covering me high end or noon. Yeah. And then in that instance, it's just like, well, unless if you have, like, you know, a lifeline, so to speak, to, you know, branch out into another veteran to show them hey that's not entirely the case then you know even if you show them on the website they're not going to believe you so
0: yeah no I, I think i think the veterans is actually a very very good uh specific point about what we're talking about here because it's been a while since i've actually looked at it but i think uh burial benefits like 300 bucks it's 600 bucks if you're active military and so that's just the burial benefit you yes you get a plot of land and you know you get a place to to be buried if you, if you choose to be buried there but the thing is 300 bucks or 600 bucks it's not it's not very much money most of these guys don't want to think about it so they just be like yeah no i heard from a buddy that you know that was in the military that um, i have full burial taken care of but it's like okay but what else do you want to leave behind for your family like what else that's not gonna take care of everything else so I, i i think i think that's a perfect example of just going to show these people are just being very glib so they can avoid talking about it avoid thinking about it where in reality, like this is our job, and, and we have all these resources available. So, so we can specifically look up in the in the case of a veteran. Hey, read this. This is actually what it is. You're not covered for as much as you think. And you know, it's my job to help you understand this. And you know, that's great that you have that in place already. But what about the other stuff? You know, so this is this is my job. I'm supposed to show you this other stuff. What you do with it is up to you. Right. And and I and I think that's the best. Position for for us to, to to take. You know, the thing is, it can't be like I need you to take this for for me. It's just my job is to pro- provide you with the information. I'm trying to put you in a better pos- position. we trying to identify the different problems that you, that may come up for you. Here are the solutions. Here here's what I can try to do to help you get qualified.
2: And what's your uh, position specifically on how, the way that Ryan Reynolds presents that? He says that sometimes you have to approach him like a doctor, like. Sometimes they're going to fool themselves into believing things that they shouldn't, and you have to question more deeply, but you also have to be persistent because he has this rebuttal. It's like, hey, you know, uh, Dan, that's great. It's perfect. That's why we're having this call. We're getting to this part, you know, that whole thing. And I think that that really, I don't know, it's, it's really hard to find any flaw with that kind of rebuttal because it just works so well and you can get back into your flow very easily. Yep. Uh, so, what's your take on that?
0: No, I agree, and Ryan Ryan, Ryan does great. So, I mean, I think I think, uh, think that specific that's the mindset that we need to to, to approach it with. Instead, because most times, too many too many agents are just very too customer servicey and just thinking the customer is always right. But the mm-hmm. thing is, they're not, <laughs> because if it was up to them, they don't want to pay a thing and they don't want to get insurance. So, <laughs> they're not they're not right. And and I and I'm I'm saying this because if a client doesn't get a policy, everybody loses, right? The insurance carrier doesn't have anything on the books. You didn't get paid your commission. They, their family doesn't have coverage when they die. Ev- literally everybody lost. So the thing is we need to just take that approach of a doctor, doctor patient mindset, because we can't be like, Hey, what do you want? It should just be like, let me ask some identifying questions. Let, let's do some discovery, figure out your situation. Let's identify the problem and I'm going to provide you with the solution. And I'm, and I'm going to advocate for you to be able to show you the different plans that you can qualify for and, you know, and I got to be, I got to, in that, in that anal- analogy, I'm the doctor in that situation. They're the patient. Like the the doctor doesn't go into a situation that says like, Hey, would you like me to give you some medicine? Or hey, would you like me to perform the surgery on you? It's like, no, this is what you need because if you don't do this, here's what's going to happen. And then your family's going to be in this situation or so on and so forth and whatever. So yeah, I think that's a really good analogy.
2: Well, I, I have a personal question. Okay. So okay. when you started, you don't you see, um, I know there is a kind of a thin line, like you want to personalize the experience with them. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't want to be too customer servicey, as you right. stated. But wouldn't you see that a key icebreaker that would be like, oh, well, you know, I've noticed that you're from this city. I've went through here. Yeah, it's a, this is a great experience with this drive. Wouldn't you say going to this restaurant? Like just opening with some uh, key anecdotal that would, um, you know, add, you know, in a narrative sense, be a hook to personalize it is like a valid resource. Cause I'm kind of surprised because all the uh, people that have studied been that have been doing this, I don't think that they've really used the, um, the author's strategy, just so to speak, to paint the picture with a, with a powerful anecdote. Would you agree that that's a good way to go to open
0: with a script? Well, I think you just got to be consistent in your tone all the way across. Cause the thing is you can't oscillate between being their friend and, and then trying to be a professional. So you, you got, you got to figure out your voice. I mean, and this comes with experience, obviously. I think, I think it's very healthy to, you know, if you, if you want to take the all business approach, which everything, everything actually works a little bit. So the thing is, if you just want to take a very a business approach and you don't want no, no small talk, no rapport building, just get straight into it. It works. If you if you want to be a little bit more customer servicey and kind of kind of establish a little bit more rapport, that could work too. The only thing is it'll make it a little bit more difficult on the back end when you're trying to close because now they're your friend and now they think they can call you back anytime and now it, it, it loses some of that urgency. Now the thing is, it doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of a balance. The thing is, if you're if, you, if you're just very direct, straightforward with it, you're a professional. You're going through asking your discovery questions and doing the financial inventory, going getting to business if certain things come up along the way the thing is they see you as just another voice on the other, on the other end of the line if you if you come across certain situations which you can relate with them be like oh you live here oh hey i was i, I actually went to school there or i actually had a cousin that lived there or I actually have you heard of this restaurant the thing is now you're humanizing yourself and then you're 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 basically getting on the same side you're 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 metaphorically putting your arm around them and the, and the thing is like now they can actually connect with you a little bit like a human being and, you know, this well-timed positioning like that throughout certain parts of the presentation, it's great. It actually does help, but you just can't just do it the entire time and just thinking like, hey, I'm gonna schmooze this person to the point where they like me so much they're gonna buy, because that's not a good approach. So balance, just just have, just have finding the right strategic moments in which you can interject these things if, if they organically come up. It, I, I, think, I think it's a, actually a really great thing. And I personally do that myself.
1: Yeah, I, I was totally gonna go with what you said, yeah. Because I think um, Al pointed out a really good, really good point where like, even when um, you're in a conversation with somebody, other things are going to arise where commonalities are just going to happen. So I think that organically those commonalities will come up and that'll be like your chance to be able to find a common ground with them or find some similarities where that will, you know, kind of uh, be like a little bit of the conversation, but you're going to continue to push through like the questions and that side of things, but I don't think that you should start off with like, with that. I think it's going to organically happen with you in the, in the conversations that you have with your clients. And then people can also read that stuff. I feel like when you are trying to just be really likable to them, like people can read, read through that. And they, they don't really take you as serious because just like Albert said, you are giving them an opportunity to, um, to just be themselves and be mean to you. A sense you
0: know so right. yeah so yeah cool well great great question
1: all right, guys all right so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up we're already past, past the time so thanks so much for joining us Nick and everybody else on um our live Q a yep
0: thank you Joanne John will be back next week so you won't be stuck with me so appreciate you guys hopping on see you guys next week